All right, welcome back to another episode of the Jacob Johnston Show. Uh, I got a few things to cover in this particular episode. Uh, I will be covering impeachment a little bit later on because, well, let's face it, nobody actually really cares about what's going on with impeachment because we already know everything that we need to know, including what the outcome is going to be. But in general, impeachment has been a loser for the Democrats. Not only is virtually no one paying attention, but even the most ardent of political junkies are bored and couldn't care less about impeachment. You can go through and talk about any uh, political podcast, and they're really not talking that much about impeachment because, well, the moment they do, people turn <laughs> tune out. They stop listening. They're like, yada, 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 skip ahead, skip ahead, skip ahead. You know, and so no one's really paying attention. And this is really kind of one of those situations where you would think that based off of how important impeachment is supposed to be, uh, the gravity of the situation that, well, you know, it, it should dominate all the news. It should dominate everybody's thinking uh, when it comes to politics. But strangely, it's not. And there's a few reasons why impeachment is not really on the top of anybody's mind, why no one really cares. And one of that is that the Democrats, they drink their own Kool-Aid that they distribute through the media. They thought impeachment was going to be popular enough that they didn't need a crime or really any justification for it. They've been spreading propaganda through the media with the hacks that pretend to be journalists. You know, the activists that try to tell you that they're providing news when really they're just get, trying to gaslight you. And they've been listening to their own media coverage through the outlets to which are extensions of the Democrat Party and going, oh, yes, everybody must be on our side. And look at all this coverage. Yes, we can just throw impeachment out there and we don't really need any justification whatsoever to support impeachment. But in reality, Impeachment was never popular. Impeachment was never an issue that the American people supported. Why? Because we couldn't find anything that would be an impeachable offense. I mean, there's difference in uh, political opinions, uh, policy differences, but those are not impeachable offenses. And we do not want to go through and have elections undone just because one group of people disagrees with the policies of another group of people. If that was the case, every president would be impeached the moment that the House was of the opposite party of the president. And to date, the Democrats haven't found a single witness or a shred of evidence to support their crimes or find any impeachable offense committed by President Trump. It's really only exposed the crimes committed by the Democrats over the past decade. You know, and being able to go through the hypocrisy. Now, let's take a look at what the articles of impeachment are. There's two things. There's abuse of power, which is just an opinion, right? There's no actual evidence or anything to support that. It's just an opinion. An obstruction of Congress, which, you know, let's face it, each branch is there to obstruct the other. There's a reason for separation of powers. So to keep the others in uh, check, you know, check and balance is about obstructing the ability of the other to exceed their constitutional limits and authority. But when we go through and we take a look at the impeachment process itself, you know, over, you know, this Ukrainian call, well, first 
you know, the Democrats, well, they have this huge problem whereby Joe Biden is on video confessing to what appears to be a crime and a legitimate issue to investigate whether or not Joe Biden committed abuse of power in order to use the uh, taxpayer funds in order to fire a prosecutor that was investigating the company that his son worked for. There is a legitimate interest in that. And as Ted Cruz has gone off and mentioned at the heart of this, does the president and the executive branch have the authority to investigate corruption? Now, investigating corruption, you know, and the Democrats claims that he was just trying to abuse his position in order to benefit his reelection. Well, first off, there's nothing a president can do in his first term that doesn't go towards benefiting his reelection. The better he is at fulfilling his campaign promises and carrying out the duties of the president, the more likely it is that it's going to be beneficial to his reelection campaign. Just doing his job and constitutional duties can be claimed as benefiting his reelection. So, you know, that whole claim is, you know, nonsense. Now, if they tried to say that he was doing it solely to benefit, okay, but then you have to provide proof. And the problem for the Democrats is there is a legitimate interest in the president, you know, investigating corruption. And with the Democrats, there's a lot of corruption to investigate. You know, not only Joe Biden admitting to getting a prosecutor fired, you know, that seems and appears to be done to benefit his son and protect the company his son worked for, but also the Democrats going out there and trying to say, you can't investigate a political rival. Well, then what were they doing in 2016? And then the Democrats, when it comes to the issue of foreign interference, they try to say, well, the... You know, Mueller investigation, the FBI investigation, the investigation into President Trump was legitimate because it was based off of, you know, opposition research that they paid for. Now, think about that. So apparently, if you pay foreigners to make accusations against your political rival, to which then you use government to investigate in order to try and influence the outcome of the election, that's okay. But if you try to go through the legitimate route of, hey, we got evidence of corruption, let's investigate that. And that involves cooperating with a foreign country to which we have a joint investigation agreement with. Well, that's illegitimate. So think about that one for a moment. You know, think about that. If you pay foreigners to make accusations against your political rival, then that's acceptable, according to the Democrats. And they actually got out on the Senate floor and said that. That's right. There is a senator that actually, uh, or maybe it was one of the House managers. You know, I, I forget, but you can uh, go through and look at this up. And I saw this uh, when I was listening to uh, or watching the Dan Bongino podcast, playing a clip of this, where one of the uh, Democrats were up there saying, well, it was okay for them to use foreign sources because, you know, they paid for it when investigating Trump during the 2016 election, but it's not okay to use foreign sources to investigate corruption against Democratic rivals. That was the sum of what he was saying. And think about how hypocritical that is. And it's because the Democrats have this problem where they have a mountain of evidence against the Democrats 
for having done everything and worse that they are accusing President Trump of with zero evidence that President Trump actually did any of those things himself. Now, you understand the complete hypocrisy. The impeachment trial has shed more light on the corruption and illegal activities of the Democrat Party than it ever did for anything to hurt President Trump. And that's why impeachment has been a loser for the Democrats and has greatly benefited President Trump with approval ratings going up, campaign donations going up, and his reelection effort greatly benefiting. I mean, it almost seems as though the Democrats at this point are only continuing impeachment because they want Trump to get elected because it is better to and more fun to be in the opposition party, the minority party. Because all you need to do as the minority party is complain, 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 and you don't actually have to produce any results. And so what they are, maybe what they're thinking is, is, is if they get President Trump reelected, then they can campaign and fundraise off of that. And then maybe they'll actually have some money, you know, in order to compete in the 2024 presidential race, right? But as far as it goes, impeachment hasn't done anything to harm President Trump. It has just gone off and really damaged the Democrat Party in every way, shape, or form. So much so that Lindsey Graham, you know, Lindsey Graham is going out there and talking about how when impeachment is over, they're going to be investigating the Bidens in the Senate. They're going to be investigating the Democrats, you know, what the Democrats did in 2016. The extent of Democrats' collusion with foreign actors in 2016, you know, going through and cooperating more uh, with the, you know, investigation into the, you know, uh, investigation into the Trump campaign with the use of Democrat paid for opposition re- uh, research that relied on th- the accusations they paid foreign sources to make. You know, and so there's going to be a lot of investigations going on uh, concerning the the Democrats. And this is another one of those things that was a major miscalculation for the Democrats is because Republicans, by and large, have always been too afraid to hold Democrats accountable for their actions or behavior. But after the stunt that they just tried to pull with impeachment and trying to use impeachment as an election strategy, the some Republicans are now coming out and stating, hey, you know, this whole immunity from the law thing and only uh, Republicans having to abide by the law is not a tenable situation anymore to hell with the media and what the media is going to try and say. It is time to hold the Democrats accountable and therefore we're going to start investigations. Now, we'll come back to talking about impeachment a little bit later. Uh, but right now, I want to go off and talk about Ted Cruz for a moment, because what Ted Cruz has done during this impeachment process is a model for the rest of the Republican Party, because what he did is during the impeachment, he teamed up with Michael Knowles from the Daily Wire to produce a podcast called Verdict with Ted Cruz. Now, think about this. Ted Cruz, even though uh, producing podcasts and YouTube channels, you know, they're still a few years late uh, to the show. They still manage uh, to get there. And Ted Cruz 
is showing the rest of the Republicans how to circumvent the media filters and go straight to the voters to get out uh, the message and to get out the information without the media censoring and trying to block or sweep everything under the rug. In fact, the podcast immediately jumped up uh, to the top of iTunes, even uh, outperforming Ben Shapiro uh, during the time uh, that it has been playing. And on there, they also, uh, while they produced it as a YouTube show and then took the um, you know uh, audio from the video that they had uh, created and put it into the audio podcast, they even started bringing on other senators like Lindsey Graham who I don't know if he was joking or not when he was asking what is a podcast and, you know, trying to ask what the rules of a podcast are, you know, and quite frankly, it is possible that, you know, mainstream tools such as podcasting hasn't reached, you know, uh, the politicians in DC that they are that far out of touch, but Ted Cruz and producing his uh, podcast with Michael Knowles, jumped to the top of iTunes, and it got the information out quite a bit. You know, uh, and the YouTube channel immediately took off, and it has been quite incredible. And it's been showing, you know, the rest of the Republicans what they need to do. Now, does this mean that every individual senator and every individual member of the House of Representatives needs a podcast? No. That would be too much. I mean, that would be segmenting uh, the podcasting and messaging too far, too wide. What needs to be happening is that, you know, they might be able to come away with two podcasts, you know, House Republicans, Senate Republican podcast, or maybe they just have one Republican podcast under the Republican National Committee, in which various members of the House and Senate come in and do interviews and, oh, drop my pen, do interviews and they go through and talk about the issues or at least have, you know, the leadership or the charismatic, you know, speakers coming through, you know, where they go through and, you know, have long-form interviews and conversations where they're not constantly being interrupted. I mean, right now, it seems that most uh, Republicans like to try and say that they're modern with communication tools because, well, they have a YouTube channel. But have you gone through and taken a look at those YouTube channels? I have, including Ted Cruz's uh, YouTube channel from before he created this Verdict with Ted Cruz podcast. And they're boring. They're uninspired. All they're really doing is taking clips of you know, the speeches they give on the House floor or on the Senate floor or taking clips of the media interviews that they give and they post it on their YouTube channel and then they pat themselves on the back for using modern communication tools. Nobody cares. This is why most senators and most House of Representative members don't have a YouTube audience, right? They don't because no one cares about, you know, clips of that. What we want is actual programming of information, you know, and hopefully with what Ted Cruz has done, you know, and the success that it has had has shown a model for the rest of the Republicans to start, you know, creating good long form content when it comes to YouTube and podcasts. And there are various ways in which they can go about it. And guess what? Producing a podcast is actually pretty cheap. If you're just going to do audio, 
you can podcast for free and make money off of it. If you're going to do a video podcast, then yeah, you go over to Podbean. You can do unlimited uh, video podcasting for like $350 a year. I mean, any senator could afford that. And then all you have to do is upload the video uh, to Podbean and Podbean would automatically transmit and upload that video to your YouTube account. It's really that easy. And that's a way to get around the media and go straight to the voters with your information, with your arguments, with the facts and data on your side. And as we look uh, towards the future, it's becoming increasingly important for Republicans to bypass the media filters and go directly to the voters. I mean, if we were to be reliant on just the media, who the media decides they are and are not going to interview, and then how the interview goes in the media, the Republicans won't be able to you know, get any information out. Because first off, if the media decides to actually interview anybody of any prominence in the Republican Party, they spend most of their time arguing with the Republican, cutting them off, and then they go patting themselves on the back. See, we bring on both sides of the story. See, we let uh, both sides come on and explain their arguments. Well, no. When a Democrat is on there, the media personality is largely silent and, you know, lets the Democrat fully explain or fully state what their point of views are. But when a Republican comes on, the Republican in a five-minute segment maybe get 45 seconds of being able to actually present their arguments, and the rest of the five minutes is used for, for the media personality to cut them off, argue, and attack them. And so you need to just get away from the idea that we are stuck in the 1980s where the media is the only way to get the information out, and you need to be looking at what Ted Cruz did here and start actually following that model for the entire Republican Party and creating a channel. And guess what? Being able to go through and do live where you actually take questions from the audience and then go through and answer them would be, okay, a good idea, right? So that you actually know what it is that people are concerned about. Now, the GOP and President Trump need to get more proactive at eliminating Internet censorship. Now, here's another thing uh, that gets to me when it comes to uh, the Republican Party and their lack of using modern communication tools. Right Now, they say they use it. They just don't actually know how to use it, and they don't actually use it correctly. You know, they use it as a way to distribute their press releases and clips of their media appearance. But if they actually went through and started using modern communication tools the way they're supposed to be used, then they would have a better sense of knowledge and information about what's going on with these tech, uh, tech companies, banning information, censoring information, blocking access to certain information such as the identity of the whistleblower. Now, that is legitimate information uh, to know about, especially with everything that we have been finding out about the whistleblower. But if you mention the name of the whistleblower in any social media platform, they ban the content, they censor it, they remove it, they get rid of it. They're trying to ban and block information. 
And there is no law that actually prevents you from outing who the whistleblower is. The only legal protections a whistleblower has is that they just can't be fired for blowing the whistle, right? And all of this other stuff, trying to keep the identity of the whistleblower secret, is all a bunch of nonsense because they know the whistleblower is a hack and had, well, basically the whistleblower themselves was, you know, in a situation where they may have been criminally liable for some of the things that Trump was seeking uh, or wanting or bringing up about investigation, about investigating. And so what, you know, Trump and the rest of the Republicans need to be doing is going out there going, okay, all right, so here's the deal, right? If you want to still be classified as a platform and have the legal protections that a platform provides, then you actually need to abide by the rules of being a platform. You can't be a publisher and seek the protections of a platform any longer. So here's the thing. When it comes to Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, if it's not illegal, they can't ban you from it. If it's not illegal, they can't discriminate uh, you for it, right? They have to allow anything that is legal for you to do. And when it comes to monetization opportunities, they can no longer try and discriminate against political viewpoints by demonetizing them for not and claiming that they are not advertiser friendly just because you disagree with their political beliefs. As long as they are, you know, as long as what they are doing is legal. You can't demonetize them, block them from your monetization programs, or censor or block, remove their content. And if they do, then they lose the protection that being classified as a platform provides for them. That should be the rule. Because what is going on right now is that we got a whole bunch of publishers pretending to be platforms in order to get legal protection. And then they go out there and as publishers, they start censoring, blocking, and suppressing any information or viewpoints that they don't want anybody to be uh, discussing or they don't want any information or knowledge or facts that debunk what they want to push as a political agenda. And so Trump needs to get on this and he needs to get on this right now. And so does the rest of the Republican Party. I mean, President Trump himself can end Internet censorship and end the left's Orwellian, you know, attempts to block information. And also he can end uh, social media companies from discriminating in any way, shape or form against people based off of difference and political beliefs and political views. He can end that right now. But the problem is they don't know what's going on. They don't understand anything. And so everything just keeps going on as it is. And the left keeps censoring the Internet, keeps censoring facts and information more and more and more. They get more Orwellian as time goes on because they know that, you know, those who can stop them don't even understand the situation. And so if they went off and they started using the tools like Ted Cruz has with his verdict with Ted Cruz podcast, then maybe, just maybe, they would be able to effectively end the you know what's going on. Because as long as the left keeps doing this, it's going to be harder and harder for Republicans to get elected as 
Republicans are not going to be able to get the message out because all the means of communications are censored. I mean, this isn't really all that hard and all that difficult. I mean, you would think the fact that, you know, tech companies, you know, social media companies have gone off and actually banned uh, political ads from Republicans, have actually gone out there and, you know, censored, blocked, or, you know, uh, restricted uh, Republicans, you know, for any period of time during a campaign just because they didn't like the campaign message. I mean, think about that for a moment. You want to talk about interference in an election. Now, right now, the uh, remaining support for the Democrat Party is based off of Internet censorship and fake news outlets like CNN, NBC, and MSNBC. It's the fact that you got uh, these corporate news outlets gaslighting the company with fake information and then all the tech companies censoring information and removing your access to research facts that is allowing the Democrats to maintain any type of support for their party. I mean, if people had access to objective, unbiased truths, the Democrats would never have a chance in any election ever again going forward unless they change. And so, yes, Trump should immediately come out and inform that any social media company that censors any legal content or discriminates in any way through their algorithms or access to their ad platforms and monetization opportunities will no longer have the legal protections of a platform and from going on uh, from now be held legally liable as a publisher for any and all content on their sites. That's how it should be. Oh, man, I should have silenced my phone. Sorry about that. There's a couple of things, you know, as I wanted to get through and, you know, get this podcast, you know, produced and out there uh, rather quickly. But there are things that, you know, President Trump can do that would greatly improve, you know, what is going on in the country. And guess what? If everybody could actually easily access the truth and facts, it would actually take away from the toxic political atmosphere that we now live in, you know, because the Democrats, you know, with their gaslighting and their censorship of information, part of that is to create an outrage culture, which keeps the country divided because as long as we're fighting against each other, we're not paying attention to all the corruption and illegal activities that the Democrats are engaged in. You know, they need you know, darkness, you know, the shadows in order to get away with everything. And, you know, it's hard to get away with corruption and illegal activity with a spotlight on you and everybody paying attention. You know, so as we go through here, I hope more and more people within the Republican Party, more of our elected officials within the Republican Party, take note of Ted Cruz's uh, verdict with Ted Cruz show. And starts going out there and starts creating more long-form content and podcast and information to circumvent the media to go straight to the voters and provide them with actual information. You know, our access to what it is they actually believe and what they're actually pushing rather than continually going like it's the 1980s to the media and hoping the media filters don't take you too far out of context, right? Circumvent the media. They're irrelevant at this point. 
the GOP needs to start creating their own long-form content. Well, as you all know, the Iowa caucuses has already come and passed by the time you are listening to this podcast. And I don't know what's going on with the Democrat side of this. Now, just to let you know, I'm in Iowa. I've lived in Iowa my entire life, and I've attended the caucuses many times, right? But I'm a Republican, you know, registered Republican, and I can tell you how the Republican process goes. Now, I've gone through and in the past, I've infiltrated how the Democrats run it, and the Democrats run a pretty crazy process. Now, part of me wants to think about this as, hey, you know, maybe there's a reason the Democrats messed up the Iowa caucuses, and maybe it was intentional. Think about it. As we were leading up to the Iowa caucuses, uh, the left has been attacking Iowa, saying, hey, why should Iowa have the first in the nation caucus? It's not representative demographically, population-wise, or whatever. They've been trying to go off and attack and remove Iowa from having its first in the nation status. And so is it any wonder that the Democrats completely botched the Iowa caucuses this year? You know, maybe it was intentional. Now, I'll give you a rundown of how the caucuses go uh, from my own personal experience. Now, when it comes to the Republican side, of course, this year there really wasn't much uh, to go through or debate. We were just renominating President Trump for a second term. Right now, yeah, there were two other candidates, but they got like zero percent of the vote, or maybe they got a tenth of a percent of the votes. You know, whereas Trump came away with like ninety nine percent of the votes in the Iowa caucus. I mean, <laughs> you know, there really wasn't any you know actual challenge to Trump, so there wasn't really a whole lot going on. But I can tell you, uh, for instance, back in twenty sixteen, when we go through and even, you know, this year, you know, what it is, is, you know, in case you're not familiar with the caucus process, on the Republican side, we all gather in our precinct locations. You know, we have, you know, chairs set up for us to sit down. We, you know, listen to the representatives sent from, you know, the various campaigns uh, that are going on trying to convince us to vote for them. And then, you know, they leave. And then after they leave, what goes on is we discuss as a community who we support and why we support them. So each person in the room has the ability or has the opportunity, you know, to stand up and talk about who they support. Now, it's not just random going back. We have a list of names of the presidential candidates and we have them listed in alphabetical order. And then we go through them one by one. We go, okay. We're discussing this candidate. Anybody want to say anything about this candidate? And people will go up and, you know, talk about, you know, why they support that candidate, what issues they think is most important to the community, and why that particular candidate is the best candidate for that issue. And then after you go through all of the potential presidential candidates, you know, and everybody's had the opportunity to speak about who they support and why they support them. Then what happens is everyone just gets out a little sheet of paper and they write down the name of the person they want to support. You know, and so it's not biased by the listing of what order a presidential candidate in uh, is in. You get a blank sheet of paper 
you know, you're informed that the candidates are listed in alphabetical order, you know, and so there's no particular ranking uh, to them. It's just alphabetical order. And so you get a blank sheet of paper after you've listened to everybody who wanted to talk in the room and you go through and you write down, you know, your vote. You write down who you're casting your caucus vote for. And then what happens is everyone, you know, you know, goes through the line, putting the, putting their ballot, you know, their sheet of paper with the name that they wrote down into, you know, a, a bucket. And then, uh, the precinct leaders, you know, tally up the votes. And then anybody, you know, has the opportunity anytime they want to go through the votes and count them themselves to double check and make sure that, you know, the information that is being, uh, recorded or being, um, you know, uh, passed on, you know, is legitimate and correct, you know, and so there's no opportunity, you know, for fraud in that situation. Now let's take a look at how the Democrats do it because the Democrats, their process is crazy, chaotic. And as we have seen, just like everything else, inefficient and doesn't work, you know, especially as we've seen this year. So how do the Democrats go about it? Well, they generally start off the same, you know, uh, where they listen, you know, to whatever representative is sent by the campaign. And then they, then they descend into chaos. You know, where they start arguing and open, unformatted debate and them going through trying to shout it and they end up shouting at each other. And how do they cast their vote? Well, they just line up, you know, along the walls as the name of all the potential candidates. And then they all go through and go to the portion of the room that is to support the candidate that they want. And then, you know, then they take a look around the room of seeing, you know, how much support each candidate has. And they have to reach a certain threshold for that candidate to be considered viable. And then, then this is where everything really descends into chaos. The people who are in, uh, are showing support for the candidates that are deemed, you know, unviable because there's not enough support in the room for that particular candidate. They then are told that they have to go to another candidate and they get to choose. And so what happens is the people that are, you know, aligned with the candidates that are still considered viable start arguing and trying to pressure everybody who was part of the candidates that were deemed unviable to come towards them. And it gets into a shouting, screaming mess. You know, you almost looks like they're going to break down into a fist fight, you know, trying to intimidate, scare, and threaten people even to support their candidate or else. And, you know, so you can have, you know, five different groups competing for, you know, uh, the people that were, um, in this particular case, part of, you know, the other four or five candidates that were deemed unviable and everybody's shouting, screaming at each other, trying to get everybody else, you know, whether trying to convince them or pressure them, insult them, or just basic, uh, you know, physical intimidation, you know, and so it is a complete and total chaotic mess. 
You know, and apparently what the excuse is that they're going for this year is that they came out uh, with a new app, you know, that they were going to use in order to go through and uh, report the results of each uh, precinct. And surprise, surprise, the app didn't work. You know, it was ineffective. It, it was, you know, botched, you know, just like everything else the government uh, does or everything else the Democrats do. They spent a lot of money on something. It didn't work. It caused a lot of problems. And then, of course, they're going to want to go through and try and blame everybody else, I'm sure. But it just created complete and total chaos, you know, which you know is unsurprising for the fact that it is the Democrats. Everything they do sucks. They can't get anything right. They create a mess out of everything. And then they come back and say the solution is more government and giving them more control, authority, and power over everything. It's really quite an amazing situation to see where they have no responsibilities or held accountable to nothing, and yet they think that the best way to get past their individual screw-ups is to give them more power and more things to screw up. It's just really, you know, the lack of self-awareness is astonishing. Okay, okay, now it's time to go back through and talk a little bit more about impeachment. So as we're all aware right now, as far as impeachment goes, the idea of bringing in more witnesses and more documents is gone. There is no more. and That is shut down, and impeachment is looking like it's going to be wrapped up fairly soon. And the Democrats, of course, they're whining, oh, we wanted more witnesses, we wanted more documents. It's like, Well, you had your chance. You controlled the house where this process started. You had the ability to call the witnesses that you wanted to hear from that you thought was important, right? But because you were, you know, rushing towards impeachment, you had a deadline. You wanted to have impeachment done no matter what by Christmas. You didn't have time to go through and actually settle disputes through the courts like they should be. So as you know, uh, when it came uh, to John Bolton, you know, he was um, subpoenaed uh, by the House of Representatives during the Democrats, you know, impeachment, you know, show. But he was told uh, by President Trump that he could not testify. You know, so Bolton went to the court and said, hey, look, I'm getting, you know, two conflicting uh, orders here from two different branches of government. You know, you're the courts. You determine, you know, and you adjudicate the law and the Constitution. You take a look at this and you tell me who I need to, you know, abide by, who, uh, what I should do, and I will do what the courts say. Well, the moment he went to the courts, the Democrats withdrew their request for his testimony. You know, because, you know, the, what they said was, well, this is too important to wait. So we must go through and get impeachment done. So we don't need his testimony anymore. So the House of Representatives, didn't bother waiting around, you know, for the courts to adjudicate whether or not, you know, certain people had to abide by uh, the subpoena or whether they were covered and protected by executive privilege. And so the House didn't do its job because it wanted to deliver impeachment as a Christmas present. And so, so that impeachment would be all the talk over their, you know, winter recess, over their Christmas break. You know, to be and thinking that all that media coverage as that being the last thing people talk about, President Trump was impeached. 
would somehow bolster or help them gain support for impeachment. And so now they're going off and they're trying to say, well, we need more witnesses. And people are asking, well, why didn't you call those witnesses in the House? You know, why didn't you go through the courts? And of course, you know, they want to try and now claim that going to the courts is an obstruction of Congress. Asking the courts to settle disputes, what they're supposed to do, and you asserting or protecting your constitutional rights going to the courts is now somehow obstruction of justice, obstruction of Congress, to which they put as part of their impeachment articles. That's where the obstruction of Congress, you know, besides being a completely made-up charge, is really phony because their obstruction of Congress is based off of, well, they went to the courts to adjudicate their dispute. Therefore, they're obstructing Congress, right? And so now they're trying to say off that now that, you know, there's not going to be any additional witnesses. Remember, there's already been like 17, 18 witnesses. But now they're saying that because there's no additional witnesses, the acquittal is, you know, it's illegitimate. You know, it wasn't an illegitimate trial, which is the Democrats, you know, statement on everything. Oh, the election wasn't legitimate because they lost. Now the impeachment isn't uh, legitimate because they didn't get additional witnesses that they were unwilling to call or wait for in the House of Representatives. You know, and they didn't get the additional documents. So all the Democrats really wanted to do was stretch this out, let it go longer because they thought it would help them during the election. You know, they wanted to go through a long process so that they can keep attacking the president, you know, day in and day out. Now, it's not our fault that the Democrats couldn't actually find any witnesses that had any information. Remember, their key witness the person closest to the situation testified that they were just guessing, they were presuming, they were just, you know, spinning. They were, you know, they didn't really know what was going on. So they basically, you know, uh, made it up themselves. And he was the one, you know, Ambassador Sondland, that everybody else who testified witnessed or stated that they got their information from, which means they got their information from somebody who admits under oath that they made it up, that they were just guessing, presuming, making assumptions. And he's the source of all the information for which all the other so-called witnesses, you know, testified about what it is they thought was going on. Now, remember, none of the people that they called actually witnessed anything we're not actually party to, you know, anything uh, that was really going on. They didn't, they weren't in the loop on anything. They were talking about what they heard through the rumor mill. And that was their testimony. So the Democrats, they had no witnesses. They'd found no evidence. They still passed impeachment articles that didn't even list a crime. And now they're whining and complaining that the Senate is not going to go on a a fishing expedition on their behalf? No, no, no. It was up to the House to prove their case. It's not up to the Republicans and the Senate to continue a fishing expedition to try and save the Democrats' fraudulent and phony impeachment process. Now, part of me wishes that they did agree to call witnesses, so long as if they did, It involved the fake whistleblower, 
And that's right. I call it a fake whistleblower because the whistleblower neither witnessed nor seen evidence of any of the things that they wrote in their complaint. And the whistleblower themselves may have been panicking when they wrote their complaint because an inv- because what Trump was suggesting maybe investigating this so-called whistleblower, if it is who everyone believes it to be, was probably trying to cover his own butt from the criminally liable situation that they were in for all the illegal activities that the whistleblower helped the Democrats in. So he's like, oh, crap, the president's about to investigate this. My hands are dirty in this. Oh, I know. I'm going to write a complaint about something I I didn't witness and I didn't you know, see any evidence of, and this will halt the investigation, and maybe we can get the president removed so he never comes back to investigating this. And then, of course, after the complaint was, you know, written and submitted, well, the complaint didn't meet the qualifications for a whistleblower complaint. So what did they do? They changed the rules. Yes, they changed the rules in order to get this through. And now what we need to do is, and I'm glad Lindsey Graham has mentioned this because it means we don't need to go through and let the Democrats go on a fishing expedition by calling up anybody and everybody, you know, hoping to find something because they weren't willing to wait for in the House. Is that Lindsey Graham is going off and saying, hey, he's still planning on after the impeachment, calling up that fake whistleblower to testify about why they wrote a complaint. To about about a situation that wasn't actually true, and he never or he or she never actually witnessed, and the fact that he states that he's still wanting to call up the Bidens to investigate, you know, the Joe Biden's use of taxpayer funds to get the prosecutor investigating his son's company fired. You know, I'm glad as long as he sticks through with that promise. Hey, everything's great. Everything's peachy. You know, Trump will be acquitted and we'll get the investigation into the corruption of the Democrats. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, hey, everything's good there. But why are Democrats going off and trying to say that the acquittal is completely illegitimate other than their complete rejection of the Constitution and the the democratic process and their complete rejection of democracy? Right, because remember, Democrats are now stating any election in which they lose is illegitimate, and they've been stating that since you know even back during Bush, they still claim Bush was an illegitimate president. Right, so they don't accept the results of any democratically elected Republican, but now they're going off and they're trying to say that the acquittal in the Senate is illegitimate because the Democrats. Or because the Republicans weren't going to call additional witnesses for a fishing expedition to try and save the Democrats' impeachment hopes, right? But why? Well, because of the Supreme Court, right? As long as they can continue along this narrative that Trump is somehow an illegitimate president, he was illegitimately elected in 2016. Oh, he was, um, he, you know, he was impeached and should have been removed. And his acquittal was illegitimate. So now he's a double illegitimate president. Therefore, if another Supreme Court uh, seat becomes open, he can't nominate anybody to fill that because we can't have uh, an illegitimate president filling a Supreme Court seat. 
And that's going to be their narrative. That is, of course, why they are desperate to continue along this narrative that they've built around impeachment, regardless of how much it's been debunked and how fraudulent it has been exposed as, right? Because they're trying to prevent Trump from being able to, one, win 2020, you know, and so they're using government yet again for the third election, for the third presidential election in a row, the Democrats are using the offices of government to influence the outcome of an election and attack their political rivals. Remember, this is this is the third election year in a row in which they're using government to attack their political rivals. But now, you know, they want to make sure that Trump can't fill any more Supreme Court seats and, you know, trying to convince everybody that he is illegitimate. You know, now, of course, we've all seen the video confession of Joe Biden admitting to the crimes in which uh, President Trump mentioned wanting to investigate. And so the hypocrisy of the Democrats, you know, trying to say, well, you know, when we do it, it's legitimate and okay. When you guys do it, oh, it's corruption, it's illegal, and you must be punished. You know, you investigating corruption based off of video confession of the person who committed the act, that is wrong, that is abuse of power, you must be removed. Us using the powers of government to target you based off of information we paid foreign sources for, well, that was legitimate because, you know, foreign interference is okay so long as it's to try and help the Democrats and the Democrats pay for it. I mean, their whole, you know, impeachment, you know, has failed uh, the smell test and has lacked legitimacy from the very beginning, probably because the Democrats have been promising impeachment since about five minutes after the 2016 election, and they've, been, and they've gotten caught pushing hoaxes in the past, such as the Russia collusion hoax, and Mueller's uh, entire report has been discredited as a fraud because of all the times he's had to change the evidence, edit the evidence, edit uh, the transcripts, and leave out key details of important you know, uh, events in order to push a fake narrative. And so given how completely and totally dishonest they were, how much they've already gotten caught lying to the American people in order to try and push uh, impeachment based off of hoaxes, and the fact that they've been calling for impeachment since five minutes after the 2016 election and ran on it as their main campaign platform in 2018, no one believed there was any credibility to the Democrats' uh, attempts at impeachment to begin with. You know, And the fact that they couldn't find a single crime with what fishing expedition they attempted and couldn't list a crime, couldn't find a witness to a crime, couldn't find evidence of a crime. You know, the entire impeachment article might as well read, you know, we don't like them. Now, that, that's the entire, you know, summary of the articles of impeachment, right? And so there's making baseless accusation day in and day out, you know, week after week, you know, for years now, you know, trying to make emotional arguments, you know, they can't argue the facts. They can't argue the law. So they make a, so they make a baseless accusation, try to make uh, that accusation with an emotional argument. And then 
If you question them about it, well, you're an evil person. Oh, you're written off as a white supremacist. You're written off as a Trump puppet. You're, you know, if we're trying to ask basic questions like, do you have any evidence? You know, you know, asking a question like that and they target you, go, don't listen to that person. They're a white supremacist. You know, they have to engage in baseless accusations, emotional arguments, and then calling anybody who disagrees with them horrible, disgusting names in order to try and convince people not to listen to the asking for evidence question. You know, and the Democrats, they're an empty party. They have nothing. They're recycling the playbook, tactics, and promises of every murderous, brutal dictator who has ever rose to power in the last 100, 150 years. They basically make the same promises. They go out there. They try to make the same arguments while they're trying to gain power. And, you know, what's worse, though, is that the Democrats are already acting just as horribly as these dictators, and they haven't even achieved the power that they want. I mean, you just go off and take a look at every previous dictator in history. Take a look at during their rise to power, what did they promise the people? How did they market themselves to the people? How did they go off and gain support? And you know what else you'll find? Besides the fact that the Democrats are copying that playbook, is that behind every murderous dictator's rise to power, they were supported by the media. They were supported by a bunch of activists masquerading as journalists who thought, okay, We're the real center of power. Yeah, this person will be up there, but we'll be controlling the dictator because we control the flow of information and the hearts and the minds of the people. And yet they're always surprised once that dictator is in office that he quickly goes off to remove and, you know, gel or kill everybody in the media and replace them with his trusted inner circle. I mean, that's how it goes. The media is always, you know, there supporting the rise of murderous dictators and then surprised when those dictators turn on them. And it is the level of ignorance among the media is astonishing. Now, we all know that the U.S. is divided, and the left has made sure of that. Every day, the left is going out there creating an us-versus-them mentality, creating division, saying, hey, this is what you need to believe. And if you don't believe it, you're a horrible person and you have no place in society. And throughout history, the Democrats have encouraged violent, radical groups to attack political opponents. And they justify it by trying to say, well, they're trying to eliminate hate speech. They're trying to root out, you know, uh, the impures from society. They're trying to say that, well, you know, we believe in free speech, but we don't believe in hate speech is what they try to say. And what's hate speech? Anything that disagrees with them. You know, and so they go off and they create all these violent groups and they gaslight the country with a bunch of fake and false narratives. And then anybody who tries to speak out against that with actual facts and information or just have a difference of opinion on a purely opinionated, you know, um, you know, uh, issue, you know, they try to say you're immoral, you're horrible, Oh, you must be a white supremacist. You're pushing the white male patriarchy. Therefore, you have no place in society. You must be removed. You're not allowed to 
you know, be part of any of the debate. That is the Democrats, you know, and it's there to try and make sure that the country is divided, that we're constantly fighting amongst each other because the Democrats need the spotlight off of them in order for them to get away with their illegal activities. And the Democrats are now at the point where they are at full-on war with democracy, the Constitution, and individual liberty as they declare that if that any election in which they lose is illegitimate and that any time they lose a political debate, it's illegitimate and it's only proof of hate, racism, and white supremacy in the United States if they don't get their way on anything. You know, and what's worse is that the liberals in government continually abuse their position in government to undermine democracy, to attack democracy, to attack and eliminate the politicians that we voted for into office, but they use their position to get, to try and drum up credibility or a fake sense of credibility to the fake information, fake narratives, and fake complaints so that they can use their office to attack political opponents. You know, and they go off and say, well, someone in the intelligence community is reporting our anonymous source in the intelligence community, you know, and yet they don't ever have to provide any facts, any evidence, any proof of what they claim. All they have to do is go, well, I work for this office of the government, and this is what I want you to believe. You know, so they try to use their position in government as a means to gain, you know, a fake credibility to pushing a phony narrative, a phony story, and phony accusations to attack their political opponents. Now, the Democrats, they have fully, fully embraced tyranny as a governing philosophy. You know, they, they have. They no longer have any resemblance to American ideas, ideology, or democracy in any way, shape, or form. All right, so that's it uh, for this particular episode. I'd like to thank you so much uh, for your time and um, your attention and listening. I know I haven't been producing uh, the episodes that I should be producing or being able to do this uh, with any regular consistency. And, you know, I'm sorry there's just a lot going on and you know, I, I don't have a staff, so I can only do so many things in a particular day. You know, I try to get around to as much as possible, but I'm not always able to get around to everything. And sometimes, you know, there are other deadlines uh, of much more important or, uh, or should I say, much more profitable nature uh, that I need to, you know, uh, you know meet before I'm able to go off and do this podcast because this podcast is more of a hobby and less of a business. So I need to make sure business is taken care of before I do hobby items. Now, hopefully that changes, but for now, that is the particular case. Thank you so much uh, for your time and attention, and I will be back again soon.